Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. You really like making my life difficult, don't you? (laughs) Absolutely. Now I have to go back and edit out that long pause. Why? Because it's... People are going to be like, uh, did, did my iPod stop playing? What's going on? But how cool is that, that they're going to look down at their iPod right then and go, oh. Uh, did the three people who were listening to the Church Planner podcast just look down at their iPod right then? Hmm? Hey, three, I have you know that we lead the leaderboards. <laughs> I'll have head. you know that we have the most popular church planning podcast on the planet. We do. We actually do. Actually, and, let, and me, let, me, let me rephrase that. We have the most popular weekly Church Planner podcast <laughs> on the internet, on the world. I think we world. have the only weekly Church Planner podcast. Well, that might be true. And it's also the most downloaded. Yeah, right on. Now, and granted, it's just me sitting there downloading on all of my iDevices and then erasing I think and re-download. I think we have a lot of comments, but we do need more comments because... Um, the more comments we get, the more reviews we get, the more prominent we climb up in the charts. So uh, if you guys haven't done that and you want to give us a belated Christmas gift, Merry belated Christmas to all of you. Uh, but definitely go on to the site and, uh, you know, fill us out a review if you like it. Like I love well, when people I, And I would say us. I would say fill us out a review and give us a five star. And if you're not going to give us a five star, don't bother going on there. Yeah, don't go on there and give us a four, Yeah, Steve, Steve. Erickson. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Or if you do, repent and go do a five-star for us. Yeah, you now. can actually... By the way, if you've done a, uh, a Church Planner Magazine review in the past, every time we do an update to the software, the way Apple does it is they they basically start all of your ratings all over again. Like It's got your old rating, but it's got it under an old version. Fascist. So just click the review button. Your old rating will come up, and you just hit the resubmit, and then it will resubmit it for the new. And that actually helps us out a lot because then, you know, when we have no reviews up there because it's a new version, it makes us look, you know, either new or no one uh, reads it. We actually have a lot of readers for the magazine. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've right got on. like, I mean, like 12 readers. <laughs> anyway i'm i'm messing around on the 12 readers. that's not true we, at all but we are going to paid subscriptions one. so those of you that entered the uh contest we are going to be getting um you will get a a, a free subscription as promised but just be aware it is going to paid so be sure to get that that's gonna pete's gonna handle that so i have no idea what i'm talking about right now <laughs> All I know is it's somehow going to go to paid at some point. We've actually yeah, already we got that approved by elves. Yeah, when I go to sleep at night, the uh, Church Planner Magazine elves do magical things with technology. I was it's just awesome. thinking, you really must love life because you just get to say, hey, why don't we do this or why don't we do that? And then magically it gets done. It's kind of how it is. Yeah. Because you really have no idea how anything gets done. Like, but it's a symbiotic relationship with us, Pete, because I write. I, I, I create oh. content. And I, oh, no, I write. no, no doubt. No doubt. No, I've had partners before who like to like not contribute anything to the, to the cause <laughs> and just tell me what to do. And that annoys me to no end. You, but, you uh, just get the fruits of my frontal lobe. I guess. And you're the church planner. Like, yeah. here's, here's the truth. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I don't know what <laughs> happens to anything. The magazine, the podcast, uh, jump school there, even. I don't know what happens. There if would you be get, none of that. It yeah. would all pretty much stop because I'd be like, man, you know, I got all these great ideas. It'd be kind of like a guy who wants to, like, compete in the Tour de France, but he doesn't have a bicycle. It'd be kind of hard. It really would be. But yeah, then if win, you got hit by cool. a bus, same thing. <laughs> no, not really, because you could get a lot of good guests on here. But uh, well, the hey, podcast I, just, like, I could keep on if I if I did the guests if I interviewed people. But yeah, but really, no one. I mean, <laughs> like, listen to all the interviews that we do. Like, I open up the uh, the interview, and then that's pretty much it. Because then you're just asking them questions, and yeah. then you'll be like texting me, "Hey, ask them about this." <laughs> and then you never give me a, even a, a breath to get in the question. Yeah, awkward silences make me nervous. They do. They do. Which, they by do. the way, I actually am not offended by it. I, I love just sitting there listening to the interview. And if I got something that I'm going to ask, then I'll just ask it. But uh, so I, I actually don't have a problem with that. But Yeah. Well, that that's kind of the beauty of having this combination is that, you know, as you point out, I mean, I, I always kind of argue that you are more of a church planner than what you think, just because you've been there from day one of not just any church plan, but a, a church plant that you know, was a very challenging one and still continues to, to hold lots of challenges. Um, but at the same time, what I love, and I, and I always kind of brag on this with the podcast, 
I always say what's great about Pete is he's not like a church planner, you know, as a career choice. He's someone who wants to do something for the kingdom, but it's not his job, you know? And so he kind of brings like an outsider perspective in. And that's that's actually my favorite part. Plus, we get to goof off and screw around. And let's be honest, if you or I got hit by a bus, no one else would put up with either one of us. Uh, ain't that the truth, brother? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what would happen. I'm, I'm pretty You're sure everything would just collapse. With a trekking, man. Yeah. Uh, like, jump school would be the funniest to me. Because, like, all the people in jump school would be like, uh... <laughs> What happened on this? And even you would I'm be only like, trained. You would be like, where does the money go exactly? <laughs> That's so awesome. It's true, though. It's totally <laughs> true. Well, considering the fact that we've never received either one of us any money, we we just keep pouring it into. Well, what that's we do what I keep telling that. you, anyway. Yeah, it's awesome. Hey, nice new car, by the way, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that suit you're wearing. Wow, you've really stepped up your wardrobe a bit. Jump school's making my car payment, baby. I saw your late night television infomercial. Hey, you want to make a lot of money? You want to have all these women? Join me, Pete Mitchell, for <laughs> my free church planting seminar. Man, I so love that we talked about Tom Vu on the podcast. <sighs> yeah. Do you know, he was not your inspiration, was he? For what? When you were young? No, no. Okay. Not Tom Vu. Tony Robbins? No, not even Tony Robbins. In fact, Tony Robbins back when, um, you know, high school, college days, the whole self-help industry was still very, very, like, taboo. Very, like, what is all of this, these crazy people over here? And I don't know what it's like now in, like, the Bible Belt or even among uh, church people, but I have gone to so many seminars so many what would I would classify as self-help uh, that I actually don't look at it as the the weird industry that uh, that it used the stigma that it used to have back in the day. Yeah, yeah, it was entertaining though. I mean, you would watch those information infor, infor, infomercials. What happened? You'd watch those infomercials. Infomercials, <laughs> dude. I don't know why my brain's doing this. Infomercials. You would let me see if I can say it in a complete sentence. Hold on. You would watch those infomercials, Pete. Ah! You know what I think and, is funny. Um, this morning you adopted your daughter, and I think that might be the reason why your mind is on like overdrive right now. Well, and, the other day, man, it was like no coffee. The last podcast, I had not brewed a pot of coffee, and I did the instant thing that morning. And that's not. And good I, for you. Oh my word. That's that's a bad Peyton Jones in, in instant coffee is all a I bad can think of is what kind of a friend am I that the text I send to you as you're walking into the courtroom to adopt <laughs> your daughter is don't be afraid to tell the judge no you're not you don't want to adopt her you know it's permanent once you say yes to which I I uh, text back to you let the negotiations begin. <laughs> And and I think when your baby was born, right, we always joke about how, you know, probably we're the only ones that can joke with our sick sense of humor. Yes, I have probably a funny story about that, too. Yeah, where your baby's born, I text you something like, oh, your baby's beautiful. Or I said, she's beautiful. Hashtag not yours. <laughs> Dude, I, I was uh, having dinner. I, I realized the other night that I can't describe our sense of humor with outsiders. So I'm having dinner the other night with uh, my mother-in-law. 
usually comes over here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to help Jamie out since, you know, we've got the baby and all that. So my mother-in-law is sitting at the dinner table. My wife is there. I'm there. And and so I'm recounting what happened on Sunday when you saw Mackenzie for the first time. And you, you lean over to me and you go, that's an ugly baby. <laughs> <laughs> Which most people would be horrified at that. And I'm you, laughing, you, dude. I'm just like dying because that's my philosophy. All babies are ugly and they all look alike, right? I know I'm not supposed to say that because I got a daughter. And I'm just saying, right? So I'm trying to explain this to my mother-in-law and she's not getting it. And I'm realizing mm-hmm. like the more I go down this path, the more I should have never opened my big mouth and Absolutely. said Absolutely. She's like, now well, she's well, he wasn't Jamie talking about... Pete. He wasn't talking about Mackenzie, was he? And I'm like, yeah, he was. But, but, and she goes, because those are fighting words. And she's like, seriously. And I'm like, oh, geez, I should have just never gone down this path. Dude, that's so stinking funny, man. I, uh, I tell you, the, uh, cause you were standing there and I'm like, dude, let me see her and let me see her. And you pull back the thing. And I already know what I'm going to say, no matter what. I lean in you and go, you baby ugly. <laughs> And to be honest, she was beautiful. I mean, she is so good. You guys make good-looking kids, man. I gotta say. You know, to be honest with you, it's all me. (laughs) I'm just going to say, it must be all Jamie, because, you know. But anyways, hey, where are we at? Like, are we doing the Smack smack Talk thing? Yeah, we're doing Smack Talk, talk, but I just didn't play the uh, Hulk Hogan. (laughs) All right. I, I feel like I should be talking Smack about Hulk Hogan, so I don't know. Well, you did the other day. I did? Yeah. And then and then because I hadn't had coffee, I thought when you said, Oh, let's hear from Hulk, I thought you were getting ready to play the Yoda one. Yeah, and I was why? dying, dude. Because that was so funny to me that a guy would be so bad at doing a Yoda impersonation, you would think it was the Hulk. And then I realized like, you know, the brain brain waves actually caught up, you know, and said, Hey, no, 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 he's playing that other clip. But man, our Yoda is a bit weak. I got to say, I could do a better Yoda. I'm going to record you a Yoda today and send it to you. I think you should do a better Yoda. I, I I'm not crazy about the Yoda one. The only one I really like, I love the mix up that we do right before our intro music. Yeah. And we're uh, C3PO at the very end goes, I'm going to regret this or whatever his line is. Yeah. I like Batman. I think that was good. And I love Doc, Doc Brown. I just, it's Hulk Hogan and Yoda I got the problem with. I got a problem yeah. with both of them. I, I like the Batman one, too. And yeah. we got some Forrest Gump coming. We got... Uh, Do we have Forrest Gump coming? Yeah, yeah. I just put the order in yesterday for Forrest Gump. You, you um, Who paid that five bucks? I know you didn't spend it. No, I didn't spend it. Am I going to get an invoice? <laughs> my personal assistant is working on it. Are you going to invoice me? I want my $5. Yeah, he's going to invoice you. <laughs> Don't you know the art of church planning is the art of delegation financially? (laughs) So what is today's topic anyway? So today's topic is part two. We we never finished out. We only gave three. So this is my top five best church planning moments, part two. Let's do a quick recap. What were the first ones? Okay, so the first one that I mentioned on the last podcast was the day that we stuffed a bunch of dummies. We made fake people and sat them in the chairs on a Sunday morning and laughed our butts off when people came in and sat down next to them. So if you didn't hear that episode, you need to go back and listen to it. We actually made fake people to inspire people to bring lost people to church, not to guilt them. And we we actually, that was really helpful because I didn't, 
I didn't know going in there that I was actually going to share the philosophy of why we did it. Then we talked about, because um, you, you started going into something, so it, I jumped the queue and I went up to my fourth one, which was the day we launched Refuge Long Beach. It was epic, dude. It was like, it, it was like I mean, I wrote that journal and leadership about it. It's something that that you would you would write about. I mean, it was it was it was an adventure, man. That day was epic. Um, where we had a lesbian get saved on the day of our launch, she interrupted, and it was almost like a "What must I do to be saved?" kind of interruption, and you know, result in her salvation. So that was Did cool. Did she actually get saved that day? She got saved, and Hannah Parks discipled her for uh, probably a year and a half. I didn't know that she got saved that day because I, I knew she started coming to the church after that. Yeah, she, uh, you know, it's always hard with someone who comes out of an alternative lifestyle because they, um, they, uh, yeah, they, 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 I would say that with someone, I, I, again, in the article, I wrote about this, it, we put the metal detector there and tell them you got to leave this behind in order to, uh, follow Jesus. And, and I argue in that article that all sin, sure, but their sexuality, you know, like in other words, we preach repentance, like no, no doubt about that. But um, what I often do is I want them to know Jesus. And as I came to know Jesus, it wasn't like someone sat down and talked to me and said, look, you need to never drink alcohol until you're drunk. You need to never uh, cuss. You need to never get in fights. You need to never, you know, no one sat me down and went through all these rules and put those first and said, and then you can come to Jesus if you're willing to ditch those. Instead, someone introduced me to Jesus and everything else caught up. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. And it so, makes perfect sense to me. I mean, she was sitting there weeping. She was broken. She was telling us, I don't want to go to hell and just shoot me straight. What does the Bible say? You know, I've heard this from people. I've heard that from people. But I feel like everyone's giving me different answers. And she goes, look, just cut the crap. I want to know, am I going to hell <clears throat> if I'm gay? And, of course, the answer was, well, not because you're gay. I mean, yeah, we're all bound for hell. But, you know, but she wanted to know what does God th And she, she broke it down. I'll never forget. She goes, okay, can I have sex with women? <laughs> uh, no, you're not supposed to do that. She's like, okay, thank you. You know, like she wanted to know. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. She didn't want to How be. About me? Can man. I have sex with women? Woman. <laughs> Does it matter which woman, or or is that part of the deal? Okay, this is one of those situations where outsiders, <laughs> <laughs> where first time listeners of the podcast are like, they're not going to get your humor, Pete. Yeah, this is this is like the mother-in-law all over again. It is, it is, it is, and it's the kind of thing that White Tyrone would be chewing me out for. I, the the salesman formerly known as White Tyrone. I and don't call me White Tyrone either. I'm I, mad about that. I forgot. I can't call him White Tyrone. Tyrone, <laughs> just straight Tyrone. Yeah, yeah. So that that was the other one, and uh, and then the third one I mentioned was um, uh, the baptism. And how the presence of God was so strong that I actually got scared. And that was just, that was just, I don't know, man. It, it's kind of like if ministry were Disneyland, that would have been Pirates of the Caribbean. It just, 
doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, cool. Let's hear the next one. What's the what's the uh, the next one in your your list of top moments? We're skipping Hulk. Hulk's gone. He's out of there. Hulk's gone, man. No one no one listens to the Church Planner podcast for us. It's for the nuggets that we get. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So, um, okay. So, should we hear Doc Brown first? Oh, <laughs> now I got to pull that one up. Hold on. Yeah, you got to pull Brown? that one up. We can't do it without Doc Brown, man. I'm dependent on. After him I now. just said I like Doc Brown. All right, here we go. Here's Doc yeah. Brown. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. All right, this week's topic, part two. Of All right, so Peyton's top five moments in church planning. Of which, okay, so back to smack. I gave talk. him. I gave him my favorite moments for him. Me yeah. signing so up on his list. Talk. Nope, nope, no back to smack talk. Okay. All right. I, I'm just throwing you off. Okay. So uh, yeah, what what were your top five, Pete? Uh, mine were for you. The day that I, I signed up on your awesome. list. The day that I signed up on your list, um, that was one of your top moments. The day that I called you on my way back from getting a haircut, and I said, "I think we need to do a magazine for church planner, for church planners." And at that time, we were going to call it Church Upstart. That's and, right. Um, and then uh, the day that I said to you, "I am starting the Church Planner podcast on Friday, whether or not you're on it with me," and that was the birth of it, which would have been funnier because it would have just been me. <laughs> And my host is Peyton Jones, and then... And I don't really know anything about church planning, guys, but... Uh, Holy cow. Dude, that's what you call a conductor who's just got an axe to grind with your community. Dude, absolutely. You know it's a felony to throw rocks at a train for honking its horn loud? I mean, for any reason, but... <laughs> just just for, Well, I didn't do it for them honking their horn. I was just throwing yeah. rocks at them. Theoretically... Uh, I'm not, I'm just saying it is a felony. You know, I used to live by these railroad tracks and we would always go out there and put pennies and quarters on them and watch them get flattened. People still do that here. Yeah. I don't know why I find that so fun, but I totally find it fun. Yeah. No, people do it. Like if you're walking downtown where I live, the, the track goes right through the center of town and you'll find tourists. You always know they're tourists are putting pennies down on the tracks and stuff and laughing and, you know, and then they're looking around like they're doing something evil, you know. <laughs> you know? Have you ever tried to make the sandwich where you do like a, a nickel, a penny, a nickel? No, no. I always tried, but it, it never worked. And I always wondered if I needed to like tape it to the track. Oh, good, if, good. If that would make it do it. Or because normally what happens is it just flies off in like three different flat coins. And then, of course, you got to find them. What I want to do is put like a, a like a, a rubber, like not a rubber, but like a um, plastic action figure on there and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I think you got to be careful with that because there are actually people who have been hit by trains and they might find that offensive. Do you think like a Boba Fett could derail the train? I don't know, but you know, if it ever came to like, if I had that as a question, I don't think I would do it. <laughs> Just, I'm going to yeah, throw that yeah, one out there. A, hmm. Would this derail, would an orange derail the train? Let's find out. Not really worried about an orange, but, uh, but a Boba Fett, it depends on the, the could, size yeah. of the action figure, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Maybe, maybe the foot tall one. And I don't know why you would want to do that to a Boba Fett. Let me ask you this. A couple of questions when you're getting to know somebody and you want to know what kind of childhood they had. 
you asked them a couple questions. One was, did you own the Millennium Falcon as a kid? You know, um, I can't really relate to this line of questioning because I've never cared what kind of childhood someone else had. Really? Yeah. I've never. It like, explains the adult, though. Do you think? Remember, I got a minor in psychology, so. Well, remember, I got that. a minor in Bible, and look at me today. <laughs> yeah, that's that's these things are probably on a parallel. Okay, never mind my question. Okay, so let's go. Uh, Let's go into number four of uh, my best church planting moments. Yeah, um, let's hear without it. Pete Mitchell. So okay, so the um, the fourth one, and remember these are in no particular order, but the fourth one has to be when we started the church out of the Starbucks, um, mainly because I didn't want to. Um, to me, that that's more of the power of God in it. It, that I wasn't trying to start a church. <clears throat> there was literally a need there. I was working on the barn. I've told this story so many times that I'm, I'm boring myself with it. But, um, you know, basically there was so many people coming through the bar. I was working in Starbucks. I quit ministry. I was all cheesed off at God. And uh, I told him I quit. And I was heading back to America as a failed missionary. Um, where, you know, I'd been at a couple churches, start off at Lloyd Jones's, by the way, they're coming out with a new Lloyd Jones movie. Um, not, not a dramatization, but like a documentary. I cannot, cannot wait and hmm. just throw that out there. It's called logic on fire. You can look it up on the internet. Um, but anyways, the, uh, so I had been there and then I had taken a church in what was known as the black spot of Wales where revival had never, ever hit. And in Wales to say revival never hit somewhere is kind of like saying there's a pocket in Sweden where no blonde people live. You know what I'm saying? So it, it was kind of like, it, it was how in the heck did that happen? And it, it was an evil area, man. There was, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but um, it was evident. I had spiritual warfare there. Like I'd never had in my life, but the people in the church, there was a, a an, an imminent split that developed because it was a, a Welsh-speaking town, and of course they all speak English too, but they're very jealous for their language. So it's kind of like the identity and race issues that you have come up in the book of Acts with the distribution of food to the widows in Acts chapter uh, 6, where they appoint the deacons. And, um, you know, we had those issues. And what what was mad is some, or what was, what was wrong was some of the people that were there were like, hey, you know, um, we, uh, you know, we're, we're angry that the English speaking outreach is reaching Welsh speakers and they're getting saved. And we've been trying to have this Welsh outreach that's been failing for years and we want to split the church. And so that, that's how everything started. Anyways, just to fast forward, um, the way everything went down, I mean, they took a vote to get rid of me and the church wanted me and the leadership was split and they're like, he's just causing problems. And really, spirit was just working. People were getting saved. Um, there was a woman there who had a vision of Jesus. She was a Buddhist. I mean, all kinds of cool stuff was busting loose. And um, and I just, you know, I, it, it, it just broke me, dude. It just broke my pastoral heart. And I, I always say the day I quit ministry was the day I really started ministry. 
because I didn't care anymore about how great a preacher I was. Whereas before that, I strove to be the next Spurgeon or I strove to be the next Lloyd-Jones. I worked hard at studying and crafting sermons and all that. And and now I'm just like, God, I'm done. I, I, I don't want to do it anymore. And I hate your church. Um, I hate Christians. And I, I hate ministry. And I'll just be a Christian. And I still love you. I'm mad at you. But I still love you and um, still follow you. But uh, that was that was where I was when I started that Starbucks. I was in that same place, bad place. And you know, people came through the bar. Hey, what are you doing from America? And well, you know, I'm I'm you know a, a failed pastor on my way back home. And they're like, Oh, would you say it you like know? that? Would you say I'm a failed pastor? No, I would I would actually say to him, I'd say, well, you know, picture uh, the one job you, you know, the, the least likely job you could picture me doing. And they'd always say something stupid like a ballerina or, and I'd say, that's a good one. And I'm glad you guessed that. <laughs> that's more of a compliment to me. No, I'm not a ballerina, but I said, I'm, I'm a preacher. And they go, no way. And I'd be like, yeah. And they, they, they would say, well, where's your church? I, I go to your church because, you know, you build relationship and a little bit of rapport with people. And, you know, I genuinely like people and I genuinely, uh, you know, like Which, my, by the way, is the key difference between the two of us. Well, I always say I hate people. Like, I don't love people like I'm told to in the Bible. I always tell people that naturally I'm as grumpy as they come, you know. And I need the Holy Spirit to come and love people through me. And that's that's the way it's mentioned in the Scripture is Paul talks about the love of Christ compels us. It's his love in us for other people that drives us forward. So to me, that has to be a supernatural thing. But, you know, when I don't got to, like, love them, when I don't, you know, just making them coffee, I like them. You know, they're cool. But I don't have to get close to them. I don't have to put up with their crap. And so for that to happen, that that's something that when the Lord is calling you to ministry, he gives you love for people. It's pretty cool. And uh, you, you start caring about things you normally wouldn't care about. You know, if you're a selfish guy, then suddenly you start becoming selfless and you feel Jesus loving. I can be talking to lost people sometimes and I start tearing up because I'm sensing God's love for them so strongly. And, um, you know, it didn't happen all the time. I'm not trying to big myself up like every time I talk to lost people, I weep. But Whitfield did. You know, he, he preached every time he talked about hell, he'd start crying. And that was Christ's love coming through him. And uh, so anyways, so I'd be on the bar and, you know, um, people would ask me, oh, well, what do you think about this thing? You know, and uh, they, they would always talk about the Blues Brothers and they'd always want to know if my church was like the Blues Brothers where people are like dancing, jumping on trampolines, doing backflips. And I'd say no. And they're like, I've always wanted to go to a church like that. And that was interesting. And we've talked about that, so I won't bore you with that. But the second thing is they won't know Maybe about we this. We do that at church. Well, we could, man, with our church. I mean, we're, we're on our way to, to becoming a black church big time. I mean, we're what, like a third. But every week I'm going, man, more people from the black community are coming into this place. and we, A lot uh, more. So much so that this last Sunday I was like, it used to be like a third, a third, a third, you know, um, Hispanic, black and white. And the white right. percentage is like on Sunday it was like 15 percent. 
<laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it was like very few white people, yeah. and and it's reflecting more of the neighborhood now. Very I much mean, it, so. Yeah, and and so and again that that's when you know even though we talk about refuge, I mean it's growing, but it's still less than a hundred people. And but but to me, it's such a successful church because of what we just said. Um, I've I've planted churches that grew bigger, but um, it, it, let's put it this way: I'm 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 most proud of Refuge Long Beach right now because I'm just standing back going. Not proud of what I do. It's it's literally that I didn't do this, and so I'm I'm really proud of the fact that uh, this is the Lord's doing, man. Like you know, I I don't I don't know how to how to reach people, but here's the deal. Um, so you know, pe- people were coming through the bar and asked me about Dan Brown. So I threw that study group, and and so going back to my my best moment was the night that we opened it up. And I had bought cakes on my employee discount. I was like 50% off. I cut them up into like threes. I'm like, I don't know how it seems like a lot of people are coming to this thing. And so it was just little bites. And the Welsh really like that. You know, they don't, they're not like Americans where they're like, hey, man, this isn't enough food. To them, it's just a little treat. You know, they're cool with that. Some coffee and tea. And that's what we did is we served it up and uh, we talked. We opened with discussion. By the way, if you ever do an open mic night or a group discussion night, always open with them talking. Introduce yourself, introduce a topic quickly, and get other people talking. What do you guys think about this? Always let them talk. Don't start a monologue or you'll kill it from the beginning. And so we, our, our model for that was, I think it was like 10 minutes of teaser discussion, 10 minutes of... Um, me talking about it and then 40 minutes of discussion and the thing went an hour and it was a thing of beauty. And once it stopped after an hour, people stayed around talking and discussing and then personal conversations came. But I can remember standing there that night thinking for all my years here in ministry, I could never achieve this. How is it that I've left ministry and this is what I always wanted. And, and, and to me, that was just a, a great uh, moment. And, and I can't even say that it was just that moment. I suppose if it were like, you know, stop motion animation, that would be one snapshot that made up my best moment. The next week when they begged me to do it again, because they begged me the first night and I, I told them, you know, I didn't realize what the Holy Spirit's doing. I'm like, oh, that'd be lame. That'd be stupid, you know. Um, and of course I've quit ministry, so I have no desire to plan a church off this. And they're like, yeah, you know, um, uh, let's do it again. So we did. And then at the end of that night, when the lady goes, well, you know how like Mark has his, you know, or Jesus actual followers, not the fake ones Dan Brown talks about, but like, you know, his real followers that wrote like the gospels, is that what you call them? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, couldn't we go through one of those and to watch like a room full of 30 people go, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Could we do that? <laughs> All right. And that, that was where I felt the Holy Spirit tapping me and saying, okay, listen, knucklehead. Um, you can't switch ministry on and off like a light switch. This is me. And even then I remember just going, okay, we got a deal. You run this. 
you do it. I'll keep holding the door open, but you got to walk through it, Lord, because I don't want to be in ministry. We've had this talk. I quit. I'm not planning a church. I'm not going back into ministry, but I'll, I'll, I'll travel with these people for a little bit, but you got to do everything. You got to save them. I, and, and kind of like you talked earlier, Pete, about not caring. I actually, in my heart at that time, had gotten to the point where I was kind of like, Lord, you're the one that's really supposed to care about them. So you need to care about them. And I will be here. And I love you. And I, I, I serve you. But I was just frizzle fried, man. I, did, I didn't have anything left to give, you know? Hmm. So that was a great moment. And, um, yeah, that, that was, that was great, great church planning moment, but it was a series of moments week after week where I could see God just going, I'm planting the church. And then the night before we launched, um, because there was another guy with me this whole time and he had been talking about a church plant and I kept telling him, Hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm out of ministry, pal. You know, I mean, if you do something, you know, you can take all these people, you know, whatever, but, um, I'm on my way back to America. I, I'm not here. And uh, and then when he, uh, the night before the launch, goes, oh, by the way, um, I, I'm not coming with you for this church plant. And it was supposed to be his church plant. <laughs> night before in my backyard having this conversation. And he and I had been cleaning windows together. And uh, that that was one of my worst church planning moments, but I, I'll save that for that podcast. But it actually was kind of like Jesus just winking and pointing and going, ha, 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 sucker, I got you. <laughs> what would you have done, though, when you came back to the States? Because you've been a nurse. I mean, you've done yep. so much in ministry. Yeah, I had been a firefighter um, for three and a half years at that point, and the barista thing was because I needed to. I, um, by the way, I, I want to mention that every time at church when you mention that you used to be uh, a nurse, you always throw in there and a firefighter because you know when we hear a male nurse, what's going on in our head, and then you yeah. got to throw in the masculine and a firefighter. Well, when you tell people you're a psych nurse on a lockdown facility, it's not like normal. You know, it's like you're doing like drug rehab. And I'm glad you think that. Uh, I'm glad you yeah. think that's what's going through our heads when you say you're a yeah. male nurse, but that's not. Hey, I'm uh, the only reason I do this podcast is to educate people on that very thing so I can go through life <laughs> and, and know that some people out there understand that I never wore a skirt, but uh, at least in public. But. <laughs> Is this one of those things yep. with the mother-in-law again? Our yep. sense of humor doesn't translate. Yep. But uh, but yeah. So you know, uh, uh, all that to say, uh, yeah, I I was planning on coming back, and either being a nurse or a firefighter. That was my my goal. Hmm. I was cool with that, man. I you know. Where was Andrea at during all that? Like mentally, not where well, was she physically. You know, I would love to have her come on and tell her version of this because we were just recently at um, uh, Send LA uh, conference speaking, and I called her up for the Q&A, and all the guys honed right in on her, and were like, what were you going through, and what were you thinking? And um, the, the funny thing is that um, at that time, we were also dealing with infertility, and it was a long, painful journey. And um, 
she was going through her own struggles with God. Mm. You know, um, I would I would like to say that she was like, hey, you know, it is well with my soul and peace like a river coming my way. And it wasn't, man. She was she was dying inside. Hmm. And because the one thing my wife was, I mean, absolutely wired to do was be a mother. She is such an excellent mother. And to uh, I remember I remember we went through all the in vitro, the, the, the treatments, all that stuff. And I was mad. That was that was compounding because I'm watching my wife go through agony and I'm feeling I'm feeling increasingly angry at God. And 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 what's funny is like I had never been angry at God. By that time I had been saved. I got saved in eighty seven and we didn't adopt till two thousand eight. Um so uh, sorry, not two thousand eight, two thousand yeah, yeah, two thousand eight, sorry. So I How had been. How old is Libby? Huh? How old is Libby? She's six. Really? Wow. I'm just checking. I did my math right because you know I am on that. So 2008, 98. So yeah, 2008. It might have been 88. I think I was saved in 88. Actually, yeah, it was 88. So 20 years I've been a Christian, and I went through that stuff in 2003. So I had been a Christian. Or sorry, 2004. So I had been a Christian for almost 20 years, 16 years. And I can honestly say I had never been angry at God ever, like seriously angry at him. I'd read those passages and it was like, you know, David's all mad. And I'm like, oh, he was just weak in his faith. That's Old Testament faith. He didn't have New Testament faith. And I did not understand that when God wants to deepen your relationship with him, he takes you through crud. And you know, it, it, I remember uh, A.W. Tozer around right before I went through all this. I, I was I was going through the study that Tozer did called uh, Men Who Met God. And he he made the statement. I think I had an audio tape of the sermon he preached that I had found, which if you've never heard Tozer, he does not sound like what you think he's going to sound like. Um, you always think he's going to sound really godly when he talks. He sounds like Ralph Cramden. Right from the honeymoon. One of these days, Alice, you know, like he does not sound how you think he's going to sound. And I can remember that, you know, I'm listening to this and he makes this weird statement where he says, um, all of the men whom God wants to use powerfully, he or whenever God wants to use a man powerfully, he first must hurt him deeply. I remember going, that's a weird thing to say. And 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 so during that time, I remember telling people, like, I'm not closer to God right now. In fact, I'm not close to him at all. But I can honestly say my walk with him is deeper than it's ever been. Because I went to depths, man. I I, I went to the bed of hell, like David, or he goes, if I make my bed in the depths of hell, you're there. Where can I go to flee from your presence? He was just there. And so those were deep, deep times of pain. Um, deep, deep times of suffering, and a lot of the way I minister now to people, especially to people in brokenness, I get it. You know what I mean? It's like it, there was just a difference. I don't explain away people's pain anymore. Got a church planner going through horrific stuff. He calls me the other day, and he tells me, and he's like, I don't know what to say. And I said, pal, you're not going to know what to say for a long time about this situation. It's going to suck. It's going to hurt, and you're not going to have answers. And so every time he calls me right now, he's going, I don't have any answers, man. I still don't have any answers. Mm. And I'm cool with that. So, you know. 
Yeah, you know, I get that, man. I so get that. I mean, and I think because of the family that I grew up in, the one answer that that just grated on me was when I'd hear people just say, I'll just trust God. <laughs> and I swear I just wanted to strangle people and be like, you idiot. Yeah. I mean, that's literally the last thing I can hear right now because my problem is trust with God. And it's yeah. like, y- your solution is, oh, we'll just trust him. Uh, I just, oh. You know, the older I get, the more sense C.S. Lewis makes. And I I read a book about a year ago. And, of course, you know, I'm, I'm not in those deep, dark places anymore. But I was, man. And it was bad. I mean, it was pretty bad. But I'm grateful for that because my highest heights in Christianity have come after that. But those are my lowest lows. And w- what I can say is that um, God lets you go through. I, I, I remember I, I, was, I was still working as a firefighter for a year after um, quitting that pastorate um, in the black spot of Wales. And I literally remember having times where I'm praying and I'm, I'm so angry when I'm praying and I'm working with my hands all the time. And th- that's always a time where when you're working with your hands, <laughs> that's when your thoughts plague you, right? You, you just got all this time to think. And I'm working with my hands and uh, long periods of silence and I'm cussing at God in my head and I'm raging against him in my mind. And every once in a while I'm saying a sentence out loud and I'm just praying. And I just felt like God was behind me just hugging me, like holding me. That that old hymn that says, love that will not let me go. I had no doubt for one second that God the whole time was going, you're my child, come here. You're my son, let me hold you. And I, I had never known the tenderness of God like that before. And it, it's the weirdest, like this is so subjective what I'm sharing about. I, I, I know that people are going to listen to this and maybe not get the objective truth out of it, but but this was my experience. That's what I felt the whole time. I remember at a certain point, it was it was like where David says, your loving kindness leads us to repentance. God just, he overcame me with love. He, he broke me with his love. Like that scripture where Paul says, you know, love endures, love perseveres. Jesus became that to me. He, he exemplified that to me when I was just in this place of pain. I was biting him like a rabid dog, you know, and, and, he was just loving me. And like how Paul says, love never fails. I wonder sometimes if Paul went through that deep, deep, dark stuff because he knows that. He knows that stuff. And he even says it when, you know, the the thorn in the flesh and take it away from me. And God's like, no, my grace is sufficient for you. That's what I got out of that was I got the grace of God ministering to me more than anything else. Hmm. Interesting. That's um, that's cool. I dig it. Yeah. So my last one. How much time we got, Pete? I haven't even looked at the clock. Fifteen minute. Got? Oh, fifteen minute. I could do so much with fifteen minute. <laughs> What's yours, man? Give me one real quick. Hit me with another Peyton Jones top five. Uh, another Peyton Jones top five moment. Um, I think it would have to be uh, the Christmas card I gave you. A couple of years back. Oh, which one was that? It was the one that had like a couple hundred bucks in it. And then you waited like three months to open up the card. <laughs> okay. Here's what happened. He gives me this, uh, 
this uh, card. And, and just so you know, I ran into some money. It wasn't like, oh, Pete's a great gift giver. I got to get on his Christmas card list. Yeah, I, we didn't I ran into some money. I was like, year. hey, you know, I'll help this pastor dude hey. out. Weird hey, guy. Hey, where's my Christmas card with money in it this year, Pete? I saw you Sunday. You didn't give me a bunch of money. <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> we did actually have a gift for you, and we totally forgot it. So so here's the deal, right? Um, so I stick that card in my Bible, and you know, I and never apparently you don't read your Bible. Just teasing. No, I didn't stick it in my Bible. I'm just teasing. Uh, so what happened was I stuck it under my seat for safekeeping. I stuck the card. I had gotten a number of cards that day, and I stuck them under the seat so no one would steal them because you know, look where we're church plan, right? So I immediately mm-hmm. stick them under there. But you did say to me, "Don't lose that card." And, I? I don't remember that. Yeah, you said to me, don't lose that card. You, Or maybe you said that the second year. I don't remember. So uh, anyways, what was really funny, though, is, yeah, I did. Like, so did you like my card? <laughs> so, but this was like months later. <laughs> so I went and looked under my car, you because know, I had to go, where, where is it? I looked and looked and looked. I found on my car seat, I got a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's when I was like going, uh, hey, dude, uh, can I bum a few bucks off you? Because uh, I'm broke. <laughs> hey, you still got that money I gave you for Christmas? Let's go halfsies. <laughs> Let's go to islands. It's your treat. Hey, it's almost Christmas again. Will you give me some of that back as a present? <laughs> it's just it's the $100 bill that keeps m- making its way back and forth between us. Yeah. That'd be actually so, okay. funny. Yeah, that that was a good one. All right, you got another one, and then I'll give my last? Or is that all yours? I'll think of another one while you're talking. Okay, cool. So here's my last one, and and this is connected. You know, it's funny because I'm always a guy where I want to keep doing stuff that's worth talking about. One of my favorite quotes is by, um, uh, why am I blanking out on his name? It's one of my favorite authors, um, Ernest Hemingway where he said, um, either write something worth reading or do something worth writing about. And I, I always think about this with, with church planners, with preachers, you know, talk about something worth hearing or go do something worth talking about. It, it, it would be a great maxim for ministry because I don't want to be the guy who talks about what he did years ago. I mean, some some of these are from how I got into church plan. They are church planning uh, moments after all, but um, some of them are more recent. But um, when I when I came up with my five list, I was like, well, some of these have to be, um, you know, like current. And so my my and it is honestly, it's one of my top five because right now. Um, I'm more excited about what I'm about to start doing than anything I've done so far. And I suppose that's always a good place to be, right? Um, so <clears throat> what I'm excited about right now and what comes down as, as one of my five top is I walked, okay, I belong, I, I'm with a, a, a group of pastors who have a, a, a network of churches in Oceanside. And they had this thing that they're doing where um, they have this vision. I would love to get these guys on the podcast to talk about it. Because what what we did, like I was meeting with them. I meet with them on Monday, Monday mornings. They invited me in to sit down and chat with them. Um, we do RPMs, kind of like Dave uh, Ferguson shared with us on our webinar, 
where uh, you do the, you know, just a spiritual checkup. No one's there to correct anyone. It's just spiritual accountability every Monday morning. We meet at 7 a.m. and we do relational, physical, mental, and spiritual. And so you've got the floor for as long as it takes. Some guys take 15 minutes to give an update on that and talk through their problems with their kids. And these guys are deep, man. These guys have some some deep stuff that's gone on in their lives. And a lot of times, man, by the end of it, we're on our faces. We're praying. We're weeping. And I love these guys. Like, I love them to death. Um, they've really become brothers in arms. But I was meeting with them for the first time. They're like, hey. Uh, come meet us and we'll, we'll, uh, after the meeting, we'll, we'll go to breakfast or something like that. And, uh, I can't remember what it was, but I came and met them. It was a little bit later and they're, they've got a map out on the table of Oceanside and they're, and I've mentioned this before, but they're carving up the city of Oceanside into neighborhoods. And that has since turned into a little bit of a ride along. I didn't say police ride along because one of the guys is an ex cop. He's a cool dude though. Um, notice I, I say that. I say that for the Long Beach people. He's, he's cool. He's still cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> when you be doing inner city ministry, it's, uh, you know, it's not always the case. But um, anyways, really cool guy, guy named Jared Osler. I'd like to get him on here. And uh, another guy named Chris Martinez. And uh, so they were they were sitting there and they had this map spread out. And I just remember I knew this was my church. And, you know, since we've you know, we've been brainstorming ways to take the entire city, but that, that was their heart and vision. And at a certain point, after God had told me, after you hand over Long Beach, you are not going to be planting a church. At least, you know, the directive I got from the Lord was don't plant a church. And I didn't know for how long or, you know, what that was going to look like. But what I can say is that um, the plan we've got right now is so much bigger um, I'll be working with church planners, um, helping train them, which is what I do with New Breed anyway. So I, I told them in the beginning, I'm like, hey, I don't know what you guys are, are up for, but this is what I'm called to do. And it completely dovetailed with their vision and has actually ended up being a need that they have. And so um, I am super excited, man. We have plans to plan a church in every neighborhood in Oceanside. We're starting up an internship program. Uh, a training hub um, for uh, San Diego, which is one of the uh, SIND cities for um, uh, North American Mission Board. And they are going to be um, targeting us, one of the gateway cities, which is how Paul planted. Paul picked all the gateways like Corinth, Ephesus, Rome, and he planted in all those places. And so that's, that's a strategy. And I get to be a part of that in San Diego. And, um, that's enough, man. That's enough to keep me busy for a while. But also one of their visions is to, um, take the old churches that are dying with no plans for succession. Just maybe, uh, uh, they've lost the vision or lost their way or they need help or they can't afford to, to pay another full-time minister. Um, you know, we're looking at partnering with them. Maybe, uh, bringing them into the network and uh, they'll talk more about that if we get them on. But it's literally how you take a city for the gospel. And I am so excited, man, to do this. So that walking in on that map being spread on a table of Oceanside and carving up the neighborhoods, it just does not get any cooler than that. Hmm. That is cool. Yeah. I dig it. I yeah. Dig and it. these guys are church planners. So 
That's what they do, man. That's how I got hooked up with them was uh, one of the guys who wanted to come through New Breed. Um, and I was just talking to him at the time. He didn't end up joining, but he was like, hey, man, I'm going over here. These guys are crazy about church planting. And uh, the uh, the lead planter who had since moved on was a guy named Sean. He's the lead singer of Dogwood. So figured, hey, any uh, any church started by a punk singer has to be pretty cool. Just, you know. By default, right? I'll take your word for it because I have no idea what Dogwood is. Yeah, well, they, they were a Christian punk band, but, you know, um, just picture me saying, like, you know, Heavy D. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy D and the boys? What? I got the power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the overweight lover, Heavy D. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. It's the overweight lover, Heavy D. Of course Heavy I remember. D. What are you talking about? That's my music, baby. That's my I know, music. I know. I'm singing your song, baby. You really are. You really are. <laughs> I got the power. Wonk. Waka wonk. That's for you, Eric. Right there. Right yeah. there. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know. I couldn't think of any other uh, great moments that you've had that I should share on your behalf. <laughs> you have no other great moments. I, yeah. I don't know. You've only had four great moments, Peyton. They all involved me. (laughs) I know they did. I mean, let's be frank about it. They did. Um, I, you know, I, I would just sum up my experience in church planning as, uh, you know, once you, once you go church planning, you can't go back. So true. (laughs) You know, like I know some people are like all into, they want to build up a, a church and, and that's cool. I mean, maybe that's what God's called them to be is another Rick Warren, right? We're, they build up a, a church that they stay at and they just send people out from there. But yeah. for me, after having been at a, a church plant that that is not uh, a church plant that is just trying to start another church for Christians, but actually trying to do outreach. Yeah. There's no going back. I, I can't, I can't become just a regular pew jockey. At least if I'm going to be a pew jockey, I want a front row seat to a real wild ride. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So at least I, pick at least pick a pastor that can grow hair. Well, I have hair envy. There's like I no, do. there's no pastors at our church with hair. No, it's true. It's and Ruben, who's not a pastor there, I mean he's a deacon unless you've bumped him up to elder. He buzzes his head. So I mean mm-hmm. he he's the closest, but then he buzzes it. Yeah, it's um it's like the reverse Nazarite vow. If you want to have the strength of Samson rather than growing your hair, you have to shave your head. In church planning, it's like the opposite effect. As soon as you start growing hair, you're done. You need to go rethink your life and calling. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. So, um, hey, so uh, any other announcements? Because this is coming out, um, this particular podcast. Was this in the new year? Is this the first one in 2015, Pete? You know, I'm bad with math. I can't add numbers. I think it is, because didn't we just do... Yeah, yeah, I think we, we did. just did the 29th. So this is the yeah, first one of the new year. Yeah, yeah so this is going to come out on the 5th. Is that the first January. Monday? Cool. Yeah, 5th of January. So uh, by now, you guys, uh, you know, go over and uh, buy your copy of Church Planner Mag. No, I'm teasing. Yeah, no, no point in telling them about the promotion then, huh? Well, <laughs> what I would say is this is, uh, and this has actually got nothing to do with anything, but... Um, we did do a, a podcast where we talked about being Bivo and stuff like that. And I talked about uh, making money by doing 
um, consulting and even Facebook consulting. And uh, if you are interested, I will be doing a uh, two-day training in Southern California on uh, Facebook consulting. So if you're thinking, hey, I'd like to be a, a Facebook consultant. Actually, it's not on doing Facebook consulting. It's on how to do Facebook ads and um, follow up and basically how to use that in business. If you wanted to be a consultant, it'd be a great thing to go to because then you'd learn how to do it. And then you can make a bunch of money as a church planner. Yeah. Bivocational, baby. Bivo, baby. Bivo. That will be uh, coming up right now. It is going to be the last uh, Thursday and Friday in January. And um, and you can reach out to me if you want to know more about that. And not only that, if you guys, um, I don't think we point this out enough, Pete. For those of you that want to join Jump School, we talked a little bit about Jump School. Um, if you want to join it, it starts new uh, in January. So, I mean, you know, if you're like, hey, you know, I, I missed it. You know, they're talking about Jump School. It starts new again. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you can go over to jumpschooltraining.com and you can sign up right now. You'll be put in from month one and you'll run all the way through the courses. 12 uh, months. It is the most comprehensive church planner training on the web right now. So uh, it will it will definitely be in-depth. It, it It's what you need. If you're listening to this and you're like, Hey man, this is great church planner podcast. Um, it's more in depth. It's it's more focused um, topically, and we hit almost every angle you can hit to try to train a church planner up. You get church planner core team questions, so you can take your your core team through this stuff. Um, there's video, there's audio, there's uh, my book, uh, which is a tome. It's massive. It's Jump School, and that's where we got the title from. And it's uh, it's the Jump School book, man, and it's all in there. So, and I would also say, if you listen to the Church Planner podcast and you yourself are not a church planner, uh, but you're either an elder, a deacon, or maybe a pastor of an established church, I would encourage you to uh, sponsor someone to go through Jump School because most of our church planners are on some form of sponsorship. Either someone is paying yeah. for them, or someone is. Uh, contributing part of the monthly uh, uh, investment for them to attend. Um, so I would say, hey, why don't you consider doing that? Even if you don't know someone who sh- who wants to go through, why don't you help pay for someone who does want to go through? Yep. And if you want to know how to, uh, do you want to know how to keep a church planner in suspense? I'll tell you later. <laughs> so, hey, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell on the church planner podcast reminding you if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the church planner podcast with pete mitchell and peyton jones we'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the church planner podcast visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com.